So today, we're talking about family. Uh, Jesus said some remarkably offensive things, as I already said, uh, about all sorts of things in life. And it wasn't offensive just to us because we don't live when he lived. But he said offensive things to the people who heard him. And one of the offensive things he said is in regards to family. And so we're going to be looking at that today in Mark chapter 3, verses 31 through 35. But before we get there, I want to offer some context to this passage of scripture and uh, why his family was doing, is doing what they were doing. Um, we learn in, earlier in Mark chapter 3 that Jesus had been ministering and he was, he was already forgiving people of sin and doing God things and he was drawing crowds and people were coming and learning from him and crowds were coming and growing as a result of his ministry and they were being healed and demons were being cast out and people were being physically healed and it was just a, it was an amazing thing and so there was nobody like him and crowds started coming to him and earlier in Mark chapter 3 we, we hear of an account where people showed up at Jesus' house for some teaching and the house was so packed that some people cut a hole in the roof of the house and lowered a, a, lame, a man who couldn't walk down through the ceiling and Jesus forgave that guy's sins and the man was healed of his uh, of whatever caused him to not be able to walk and so you know, this is happening at Jesus's house. He might've lived with his mom. And, you know, I know that if you showed up at, at my house and cut a hole in, in my roof, I would not be forgiving your sins. Um, you would have to forgive my sins, <laughs> but it wouldn't go quite so well. You know, they lowered a guy down in the, uh, from the roof and Jesus is forgiving him and healing him. If you cut a hole in my roof, it'll be a little different story. So, you know, you could just email me and ask a question. Um, I don't know why people were so impatient to get into the house. You know, it's kind of, you could just wait for the meeting to end. You know, but there was something about their, the immediacy of their faith and they just knew that they needed Jesus and they knew they, need, they needed Jesus now so they were willing to do it. So let's fast forward a few verses. Now, uh, people are coming back to the house and everybody's piled up and, and they're hearing that Jesus isn't even eating because things are so intense. The ministry is going so strong. He'd been up all night praying. Now he's ministering to all these people and it says he's not even eating. And Mary, his mother, and, uh, her, and his brothers hear of this and they're like, he has lost his mind. He is beside himself for this ministry thing. You know, he was a carpenter. For 30 years. And, and now he's doing this ministry thing. And these crowds are coming. He's giving sin. He's like, he's going to die. And they were more right than they could have known. But it was going to be different than they imagined. And so it says in, in verse 20, chapter 3, verse 20. Then he went home and a crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to, to seize him. They were saying he is out of his mind. And so, um, and then we fast forward again to Mark 3. Verse 31, and that's where we're going to jump in. This is when his mother and brothers show up on the scene and they're going to have a little family intervention moment with Jesus. And this is how it goes. Mark 3, verses 31 through 35. And his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to Jesus and they called him. And a crowd was sitting around him and they said to him, your mothers and brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered him, who are my mother and brothers? Looking about those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. These are God's word. Father, in the name of Jesus, give us understanding into your purpose 
design and definition of family. In Jesus' name, amen. Family is designed for the, for the distinct purpose of carrying the image of God throughout the whole earth. I've talked about it before, but Adam, uh, the first command given to Adam was work the garden. He told Adam and Eve, take dominion over all the earth because God wanted his face. He wanted his rulership. He wanted his kingship over the whole face of the planet because he has a thing about himself, God does. And he wants to be glorified in everything and by everything. And so he's like, let me make man in my image and he's going to cover the earth and he's going to do so in, in compassion and mercy and it's going to be a reflection of my purpose and my love, my passion. Uh, but then sin came and, and wrecked house and messed things up. But family was God's original plan. It was his original design to see the, the world covered with his image, to see his dominion taken over all the earth. Within that purpose, there, there are three distinct things that we find in family. The first is productivity. In family, you get more done. Right? Now, if we invert family and we don't, and we, we think of it wrongly, we end up serving our kids and doing everything for our kids instead of inviting kids into the work that we're doing. Our kids become our primary mission instead of inviting them on the mission. Okay, are you ready? I'm going to be a little more offensive a little bit later. So just, I'll, I'll say the same thing, just more offensively. So if you like that, remember that one. And protection. Nobody is going to fight for you and protect you like your family. Nobody will care as deeply for you as your family, according to design, you know, God's design for it. And provision. Pro- family was the means by which resources were passed around and property is owned and things are cared for and things are stewarded. And even in Jesus' time, I mean, family was such an important part of this, of this system that people, had, there were these rules created so that so that if, a, if, if, your brother, if your brother passed away before he and his wife could conceive, it, it was your wife now, buddy. <laughs> because family's important and they want to make sure that your, brother's, your, your brother, there was a line and that there was an inheritance and that the people were, were going to be cared for the way that they should be cared for. I want to say, and this is the offensive part, I want to say that family is a building block of society, but it's not the foundation of society. And this was new to me. You know, I kind of, you know, I, what I thought I had is a lot of foundations. And when I talked about marriage and when I talked about family, I would refer to them in my own understanding as being the foundation of society and the foundation of culture. The problem is it's putting something in the wrong place. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. He is our foundation. He alone is the foundation. And everything works to serve him. So marriage, though, being a primary building block from which families derived, even marriage sits on the foundation of the gospel. The gospel doesn't sit on the foundation of your marriage. Okay? What happens is anytime we set something else as the foundation is we begin to make an idol out of that thing. And we look for that thing to give us purpose. So even, uh, you know, it's mostly offensive to married people (laughs) or people who really want to be married and like that's the one thing that you want so badly. But the reality is the gospel is the foundation, not the marriage is the foundation. Because you can otherwise get into a place where you begin to worship marriage. 
and that'll leave you dry. Married people, stay quiet. (laughs) That'll leave you wanting. You'll look in marriage for something marriage was never intended to give you. You'll look in family for something family was never designed to give you. Purpose and meaning. Now, marriage and family does create a high-resolution version of, of that mission. Right? Anything that I'd be able to produce would be a low-resolution, kind of a junky, very unorganized version of, what God, of what's possible in Jesus Christ because of the mission that he has for me. By joining me to Megan in marriage, we, we join together as, as co-laborers in the mission to make disciples. And she brings organization and clarity and high definition to the things that, uh, that I, where I create chaos. And so, uh, the, I don't know, that it's just this realization that we can't look to anything other than the gospel to give us purpose. We can't look to anything else to serve and to worship and to draw our meaning from and to give our life to. And as we do that with the gospel, as we allow, and when I say gospel, what I'm talking about is uh, who Jesus is and what he's done. Most concisely, I can say it. As we look to him, he gives us purpose. And as we do that, then we have more to give in our marriage and we have more to give in our family. And so, um, because it's a building block and not the main thing, Jesus brought fresh definition to it that otherwise would have broken the whole system. And so he defines family. He says, family is not just about blood. His, his blood family, family comes up and they're like, oh, we'll get in. I'm, I'm his mom. Of course he'll let me in. You know, yeah, we're his brothers. Yeah, he'll let us in. Forget the crowd. Jesus, pay attention to us. Now, I, I want to say there are other places where Jesus gives uh, attention and honor to his biological mother. He is not saying that family is, biological family is less important. But he's about to promote what we call spiritual family. To a, to a new place in his life. And so it's not just blood anymore. He says, he, he looks around, it says there was a crowd around him. They were sitting around him and they were in, in but, but sitting around him doesn't seem to be enough. Coming to church, showing up in itself isn't, isn't enough. And then it says that they were listening to him. But listening to him isn't enough. The place where you move from being a part of a crowd to being a part of his family is the place where we obey. It's not just by coming to church makes you a part of the family of God. It's not just by listening to a sermon or listening to podcasts or listening to worship that makes you a part of the family of God, but it's obedience to God that then makes us a part of the family. Obedience to the will of God is what Jesus lived for. It's what he lived for. He says, I don't do anything except for what I see the Father doing. When he prays for his disciples, he's like, God, I've done everything to your honor and to your glory. Bless them that they may be unified. In the book of John, when he's praying over his disciples before he was going to go, that that was his prayer. That was his heart's cry. He's given everything for the purposes of God. And he's like, so if you want to know me, and if you want to be close to me, if you want to be my family, live for the thing I live for. Die for the thing I die for.
Jesus, having existed from the very beginning of, uh, beginning of time, having, having always existed, and even being God himself, recognizes his family by whether or not they're doing the work of God. I think sometimes we try and fall back on our laurels and we, and we think that I'm identified by being a part of the family of God because I call myself a Christian. Would he call you a Christian? Meaning Christ-like? We identify with the religion or the organization or even the local expression of it. And we say, yeah, I identify with that. But would he identify you as that? Do we have obedience? And it doesn't have to be this radical, remarkable, crazy thing, but it'll end up being radical, remarkable, and crazy. I had a phone call with, with somebody this week who's going through some stuff, and, and she said, am, am I crazy for thinking this way? I'm living among Christians, and, and I'm taking this stance, and I'm the only one taking this stance. Am I crazy for thinking this? I said, no, you're not crazy. You're just making decisions that disciples make. You're making decisions that Christians make. You're making the unpopular, the uncool decision. It's, life is full of opportunities to compromise and to just kind of go with the flow in the name of acceptance. And I'll talk about acceptance in just a moment. But following Jesus and obeying Jesus is going to lead you to live a remarkably different life than maybe you've ever lived or the people around you are living. And it's true even in Christian circles. It's true even in this church. God will lead you to do something and he'll drop conviction on your heart that you need to, to give a certain way and to pray a certain way or worship a certain way. And I'm not talking about weird things, like weird, weird things. I mean, just like some people, God is like, I need you to wake up at three o'clock and talk to me. Thank God he hasn't said that to me. That'd be a test of obedience. But there, I have friends I walk with and they're like, yeah, God's calling me to wake up at 3 a.m. and pray and spend time with him. That's amazing. I'm glad I didn't get that phone call. And you know, it, and, you know, God will lead some people into business so that they can give lots and lots of resources. And God will lead somebody another way. And God will, he'll lead us. And as we, as we follow God in obedience, it creates this diverse and unified response where you do something differently than I do it. And you do something different than, than he does it. And, and we, we all go off in different directions, but it's all for the purpose of advancing the mission and the purposes of God on the earth. And therefore, it's unified. Pastor Duke Bendix recently described unity as originating from the same source and cooperation as uh, built around the same result. You know, we can cooperate for a minute to, to build something from all sorts of different backgrounds and beliefs and everything else, but, but to be truly unified, the revelation needs to come from a similar source. Because then we don't even have to be doing the exact same thing to be in agreement. You with me? So what a remarkable statement. This is the king of the world, creator of the universe. He's always been and forever will be. 
He's been forgiving people's sins. He's been healing the sick, doing remarkable feats. And all these people have come to hear him, to learn from him, to receive from him. And he promotes these people into his family. The people who are being obedient. He invites them into the protection, provision, the purpose. He invites them into the mission or the productivity is what I called it earlier. This is what strikes me. They had nothing to offer him. And he promotes them into his family. I benefit from you. I mean, if I'm honest, I benefit from you. I feel good being around you. I like laughing with you. I like learning from you. I like worshiping with you. I like praying with you. I like watching you do, uh, teach classes. Kurt Greening teaching class today on um, baby dedications. I love watching people do the work of ministry. I love it. I benefit from your life. And hopefully you benefit from my life. But Jesus gains no benefit from promoting them into his family. He's like, he's like, let me invite all of you who have nothing to offer me to a place where I'm going to protect and provide for you like nobody else can because you're in my family now. It's amazing. Can you imagine the feeling in that moment? Being told by Jesus himself that you're my family. You know, who, whose family do you want to be in, right? It's like, you know, is it a celebrity? If they said, you're in my family now, you'd be blown away. I can't believe I'm part of their family. I mean, I love the person and they've got all these resources and they've got all this stuff available to them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tour with them. I'm going to join in their mission. I'm going to sing songs with them. I might get a, a credit on the album. Might get a mention when they receive their, their reward. I might get courtside seats. I might get to shoot around to practice. Whose family is it that you want to be in? Jesus is saying, those who obey the Father's will, I'm promoting you into being my family. And family brings with it some benefits. And, and the primary benefit is love. The unconditional love that comes with family. We've all got a crazy family member, don't we? You might be the crazy family member. <laughs> right? <laughs> Am I the crazy family member? Is that what you're loving? <laughs> you might be that crazy family member. You know, the one that you're like, you, there's no other reason on earth that you would love them and care for them and enjoy their presence except they're your family. And you go, to the, you go to the family reunion or, you know, you go home for the holiday and you're like, but that's, that's, that's Uncle Joe. Oh, Uncle Joe. And you laugh and it's like, Uncle Joe, I love you, but you are insane. Right? At varying levels of, of, of degree, we've, we've all got that crazy family member that we love and we're like, I don't expect anything different from you. <laughs> you are who you are and I love you for it. Thanks for being you. But here's the thing about 
Here's the thing about the love that God teaches us about in the Bible. And, and that kind of love of a family member is appropriate. But this, this idea of acceptance um, has, has been skewed by our culture to mean something it, it shouldn't mean. In Romans fifteen seven, Paul is writing, he says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And um, this word welcome, therefore welcome one another, that word welcome is also translated in other, in other versions. That's the ESV. Many other versions translate it as accept. And some versions translate it as receive. So anytime you see a whole bunch of different versions of the word in one verse in several different uh, translations, you gotta, that's, when you, that's when you're like, I wonder what's going on here. Why does everybody have a different word? What's their motive? Right? If you're like a conspiracy theorist. What's their motive? What are they getting at? Well, they're getting at the Greek word right here is really complicated. And it, it means a lot of things. Proslambano. It means interactively with. Laying hold of with, intent, with in, initiative. Properly or aggressively receive with strong personal interest. Right, so that's how you end up with several different words to kind of, you know, because they don't want if if we if if the Bible used full definitions for each Greek word, it, it'd be about eighteen times as thick, right? It'd be like that coffee table Bible that you never open, but bigger. So there's this idea of acceptance stemming from from love, but or, uh, but it says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. So we see that Christ welcomes. These people who obey the will of God, they obey the word of God, they follow God, and he's accepted them, and he said, you're my family. And he's saying, accept people the way I accept people. Accept people the way Jesus said. And now I'm not saying, it's like, well, you're obeying, and you're not, so you're my family, and you're not. That's not at all what he did. He's like, I'm glad to have you in my family. Now I'm going to win you to my family. But this idea of acceptance, the way that, that Jesus accepted, there are, there are um, at least two places in Scripture where we see that Jesus healed someone and said, sin no more. So when we think about acceptance, it's not just, hey, I, who can I use? I'm going to use Keith because we all know he's never sinned. <laughs> I'm lying. Keith, you... you <laughs> so if you're, if you're in... Uh, you're murdering cats. No, that's bad. It was the thing. I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> there was a live webcam this week that caught some, some eagles eating a cat. And everybody's all like upset. But they're eagles. They do that. They're, they're part of the raptor family. I don't know what else we expect from eagles. That's where that came from. You're kicking your dog. Keith, I love you. And I accept you as my brother but I can't let you keep kicking the dog. Right? I have accepted him and I've said, change, bro. Okay, <laughs> right? You with me? I can't let you keep kicking your dog. You're going to go to jail or injure your dog or hurt your foot. <laughs> Be like, he's dark. <laughs> But acceptance doesn't mean I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you, I'm going to accept you, and then I'm just going to let you keep doing things that are destructive to you. Okay. 
or that scripture teaches us is destructive to us. I'm going to love you, accept you, and watch out for you and protect you like nobody else will protect you because I love you. Which means I'll say the hard thing somebody else won't want to say because maybe they don't have as much an interest in protecting you because you're not really family. Make whatever decision you make. I'm, I won't be there in 30 years. No, I, I plan on being there in 30 years. I plan on being around. I heard Samer and, and John. I just heard you guys have been boys for 20 years. Been a part of each other. You were a part of his baptism and a part of his life. I know my parents have been friends with Duke and Kathy Bendix for 30 years. Keith Temple knew me as a teenager and called me up and, and, and challenged me when I was doing ridiculous things, more ridiculous things. Right? And so there's this, there's this idea of, I accept you. I love you. You're doing ridiculous things, but I'm going to call you up out of that because God has more for you and I want to protect you like nobody else will protect you. Jesus was being Jesus was being absolutely offensive. He was being absolutely radical to say, "Who are my mother and brothers?" It's these people. What an offensive thing. And my mom's in here. How would you feel? <laughs> like, "Hey, I'd like to speak with you." And I'm like, "Uh, no, these are these are my people." You want it to be that real? Yeah, that's how real this was. Mom, pipe down. I'm working. Mom. <laughs> that's how offensive and radical this was. But the news is so good. I want to I just close by posing this question, or a couple questions. Do you love your spiritual brothers and sisters as family? Are you committed to them? With the kind of commitment that Jesus spoke of when he talked about those who obey. And the second question is just, are you a brother to Jesus? Are you walking with God in such a way that if Jesus was in my place, he'd say, you're my brother. You're my sister. Because you're following God.